everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're looking at a non-fiction title which I've actually been wanting to read for a while and it's just sat on my shelf and every time I think, oh, I want to read a non-fiction book, I pick it up and then go, no, now is not the time for you. But it was the time recently, so I'm going to review The Goddess is in the Details, A Wisdom for the Everyday Witch by Deborah Blake. And the back cover says the following. From the hearth to the altar, make magic in every moment. Being a witch isn't limited to casting a spell under the full moon or consecrating a ritual circle. Whether you're calling the goddess or doing the dishes, your wonderfully witchy ways are woven into everything you do. With her signature down-to-earth wisdom and warmth, Deborah Blake tells you takes you into the heart of what it means to be a witch all day every day filled to the brim with practical suggestions spells and helpful advice this essential book brings to light all facets of modern witch's life um so i, I basically just picked this up because i was interested in sort of magical lifestyle books uh, i've got some about like magical home to look at uh, but this one was at the top of my list and I have to say, sort of summing up review time, that it was a pretty good book. Uh, I don't rate it as highly as The Circle Within by Diane Silver, which is a book that this book recommends that you go and read. Uh, but I do think that it is perhaps a little bit more uh, down to earth, less concerned with, I would say, the more spiritual and religious side, and more to do with just living as a witch so it talks a bit about relationships about raising children about when and how to come out of the room closet about how to be pagan at work how to embody these these ideals uh, like your own personal code of ethics and represent witches in the wider world so if you're interested in in something like that a very sort of practical down-to-earth guide then look no further because this is the one for you so one of the biggest issues with the book, and I think this is probably my only major issue with it, and this is an issue with a lot of books, so it isn't necessarily negative against this book, but mainly against like kind of this genre of book. What I'm saying is like, don't just not read this book because it does this thing that a lot of other people do. But it conflates Wicca and witchcraft like nobody's effing business. And I found that surprising because it actually goes to the trouble of kind of defining what it means by witches and wiccans and pagans in like the first section so you start off on page three and it says a note on names and it talks about that how wicca witch and pagan are different terms and it I, I guess broadly speaking gets most of it right that there's kind of this umbrella term of pagan and then there is witchcraft the practice and there is wicca the religion and yet you get to page do, 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 11 so you know, not, not even sort of 10 pages later. And it says, whether or not they call themselves Wiccans, most witches follow the follow the rule known as the Wiccan read. Eight words the Wiccan read fulfill, and it hard none, do what you will. So that's wrong already, right off the bat. And it kind of annoyed me because I had such high hopes because it had taken the time to look at these different terms and to say, you know, what does this mean? And then it goes straight into basically all witches are Wiccan. And then I had to look at like when the book was published to see if, you know like when it was coming from and it says that this is the 10th printing uh, but it was apparently first copyrighted in 2009 so i think that that's like recent enough to not be falling into this sort of 90s era of like books we can kind of forgive it for doing that where predominantly the public face of witchcraft was wicker um so that, that, that did annoy me slightly, but thankfully you can overrule, like overlook that sort of thing 
broadly speaking, once you get past chapter two, because chapter two is basically all about like the values and ethics of witchcraft. But for most of it, it is just something that would apply to all kinds of witchcraft. It's very generic, so don't let that put you off if you get that far. Uh, so she also goes on to talk about the, the law of threefold return, um, which she says that there is debate about and that not everyone believes in. So it's like, so she's grasped that, but then she thinks about the heart. Anyway, doesn't matter. We'll move on. Uh, but then we get to personal responsibility, free will, words having power. And I think those are more generic concepts that we can all agree with. If you work any kind of spell work, you know that words have power and choosing the right words uh, mean something. And this is basically taking that into your mundane life and saying, well, if you say you're going to do something, you should do it because you've promised your words have power. You shouldn't go around talking bad about people because your words have power. And if you go around being a negative person talking down about people it'll come back on you um which is fairly accurate so that sort of attitude like ethics and taking it out into your personal life uh magic is real we are part of nature the divine is in everything including us now whether you think that that's a goddess or a god or just like the spirit of magic or just some sort of magical force i think we can all agree that we are connected to it and not separate to nature then we get into chapter three the powers of words and belief and this is also basically about positive change affirmations uh that sort of thing and i guess i can kind of agree with that although i'm not really into affirmations and things that much but it again goes into that route of like walking your talk and making sure that what you're saying is commensurate with your own beliefs. Then we have part two, the inner witch. We start talking about conscious living, integrating your spiritual beliefs into your everyday life, um, which is kind of good. And what I liked about this is that it had these little something to think about moments at the end of each chapter, which weren't exercises per se, but they were just sort of thought experiments. So for example, on page 31, it says something to think about. Spend some time considering what aspects of your belief as a witch you wish to bring further into your mundane life and what parts of your life most need a magical boost. If you want, you can write a list so that you have a clear idea of what goals to focus on as you read the rest of this book. And what it doesn't say is, now that we've agreed that affirmations work, write one. Because that kind of relies on you taking the previous chapter as gospel, uh, which has been a kind of pet peeve of mine with other books. Um, but it just says, spend some time considering what aspects of your belief is a witch. So it's leaving those beliefs entirely up to you. It doesn't say refer back to the ones that we've just covered in the chapter. What do you believe? And how can you apply that to your mundane life? And is there a specific area where you'd like to make it more magical? So I like those. They were very gen general and, again, generic. But that's not a bad thing. It just means that it can apply to everybody. Now, at various points in sort of the opening 30 pages, she, she makes these little jokes about how we'll say we don't want another brownie, but we know that we do. And, like, we know the words have power and we need to affirm them and say things like oh no i don't want that brownie and then we get into chapter four the healthy witch and to be honest i felt like this was a little bit of it was just kind of that self-deprecating oh no i really shouldn't because i'm a lady and i can't have cake type feeling which i don't really agree with and it kind of turned me off it just felt like too peppy and positive and a little bit annoying like this would be the person who come up to you at work and be like oh you're gonna eat that second biscuit and it's like yes i fucking well am but that, that was just a sort of 
a feeling I got from chapter four. It did thankfully dissipate, but we, we learn about like being healthy and having like a healthy attitude and a healthy approach. And it basically also talks about not just taking painkillers, but looking at the root cause of the problem and using both Western and complementary medicine. So that's good. But then it also started to talk about like energy healing and Reiki and things that again weren't really my bag so i just kind of skipped over it but the um introduction to the book just says to read which bits of it you feel like apply to you so there isn't like this sense of you've got to read every single word that i have written because otherwise you will not have completed the full course not that i'm still bitter about that at all <laughs> so there we go then we get into mindful eating which again is just like there's some discussion of like vegetarianism, veganism, things like that. It's only a couple of pages, this section. Uh, one of my other sort of criticisms of the book would that be that it kind of raises these important issues like uh, dealing with prejudice and then it only gives them like a page and a half and I feel like we gave some other things at the beginning of the book a lot more talking about in depth, like the weight of words and then didn't necessarily tackle more important things like having to deal with prejudice in the workplace with the same amount of dedication and pagation so that, that was another kind of wobble that i had then we have chapter six dealing with crisis how does being a witch help when things go wrong and it talks about faith and support perspective of relationship with nature i think these are valuable things that we can learn a lot of it is just common sense like if you believe in the natural cycle of things you know that death is a part of that and that it isn't this sort of horrible thing being visited on you because you're a sinner that you deserve it's just part of nature so things like that uh, and there's also a spell uh, quite a nice spell on 65 to adjust to change which i thought was quite helpful and another one on 66 a spell to ease life's path then we have part three, The Outer Witch. This is all about your environment, your home, how to hide or display certain things depending on, you know, who you're sharing your environment with, what altars are for, sharing your space with non-pagans and that sort of thing. Then spiritual cleansing and house cleansing. So sort of a lot of topics covered in that section. And then we get into part four four which was all about sex and the single witch and what i did like about this was that it really broke down consent and personal responsibility and harm none and even if you don't apply you know harm none to your magical practice i think it's a good rule to apply to relationships because you don't want to be hurting your romantic partner or you know their romantic partner if you're part of cheating you know emotionally or anything and it just sort of talks about that in, in a way that's very easy to break down and understand so i quite like that chapter i think that'd be a good one to flag up for sort of teenage readers skipping ahead a little bit to chapter 14 interacting with others at work at play um prejudice and tolerance so we've got sort of six pages on that including the something to think about something to try section and the introduction um and it talks about not having sort of prejudice towards christians towards other faiths because obviously that's a negative from you then you don't want to be part of this cycle of prejudice and bigotry and that's fine but there isn't a huge amount of practical advice on how to deal with this sort of prejudice and bullying 
you know, resources for sort of free legal help. I think that would have been very useful, but we don't have that, uh, which was a slight disappointment. Then we talk about how to come out of the broom closet, how and when, that sort of thing, and representing pagans, like your sort of responsibility to the community in how you conduct yourself publicly, because like it or not, if you're part of a community, people are going to judge that community based on you. Then we have a little bit of talk about covens this section i kind of skipped over because it wasn't particularly groundbreaking it was something i'd seen in other books obviously if you hadn't read it in other books i think this would be quite useful to you but it, it was sort of more of the same and a little bit of talk about incorporating daily and monthly and yearly rituals into your life this was something that i really wanted to talk about from chapter 19 in part 5 um which is all about sort of your practice so we go through all of the the sabbats and things like that i feel like there must be an unwritten law somewhere that you have to include a breakdown of the sabbats in every book you write about um wicca or witchcraft or paganism because i've read it in so many books and i feel like it's a section we don't necessarily need repeating but again it's useful information and i'm aware that not everyone is going to buy like 60 of the same type of books because you know they're just not going to they're sensible people but what I found interesting was on page 186-187, uh, she talks about establishing your own kind of festivals based on like the more mundane calendar, which is something that I've thought about previously. Her breakdown of it is very American-centric, so basically all American holidays. Uh, so that's less useful for, I guess, an English person, but we do share some of them, like Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, New Year's Eve, that type thing. Uh, so I found that quite good. I'm just going to read uh, one or two just so you get the general idea. So for Martin Luther King Day, it says, Take a few moments to thank the gods that we live in a time when witches are reasonably free to live as we please and send out a prayer for all those around the globe who still deal with oppression and prejudice. So again, kind of taking the meaning of that holiday and putting a magical spin on it. I did find the St. Patrick's Day one quite funny. Um, just the, the the mental image of someone actually doing this and not be like absolutely busting along laughing. I couldn't imagine it. It, it says uh, that all you need for this ritual for St. Patrick's Day is a sheet, a cloak or any large piece of cloth. Cast a circle and listen to some snake charming music for a while. Think about shedding your own skin and reinventing yourself with a new exterior. Maybe one that is stronger or more beautiful or more creative. Let the music carry you into an altered state of mind. Then get down on the floor and slither yourself under the sheet. Stay there until you feel yourself changing. Then slither out the other side and back into your life. I found that hysterical. I actually had to take a minute. <laughs> just this idea of someone listening to some like snake charming music and wiggling under a sheet and then just waiting under there. I feel like if I went through any change, it would be having a serious look about what I was doing with my life as a nearly 30 year old woman wiggling around under a sheet on the floor. <laughs> so, I have a laugh at that section. I'm not t trying to take the piss or anything. I'm sure this is a great idea for a ritual. St. Patrick's Day obviously being associated with St. Patrick driving the snakes out of Ireland and there's the yearly like memes about how those snakes are actually pagans and we should be annoyed and feel very oppressed by this. I get where like the symbolism of the snake and that is coming from but 
it is just quite a funny mental image let's just leave it at that there are some really nice things to do like for mother's day earth day which was one i'd not previously thought of uh father's day again and then we sort of go into like labor day independence day columbus day was somewhere i got caught up for an entirely different reason than the wiggly snake cloth because it says on page 189 in theory, this day celebrates the fact that Christopher Columbus discovered the New World. In reality, this turns out to be a point of some contention. There are some who believe that the Vikings, in particular Leif Erikson, found America first. Still, others point out that since there were actually people living here at the time, the folks we now call Native Americans, it was less a matter of discovering than it was a matter of coming and taking over. It's not much of a reason to have a holiday when viewed in this light. So instead of looking at the man or at all the baggage his three little ships carried with them, let's look at the spirit of exploration that is really at the heart of this holiday. You don't have to sail across, you don't have to sail the ocean blue in search of glory and adventure either. And just dedicate this day to some form of exploration, whether that means driving down a road a mile from your house that you just never happened to take before, embarking on a spiritual journey or even exploring those old boxes your grandmother tucked into the corner of the attic. Allow yourself to take a small leap into the unknown and see what mysteries await you there. After all, a whole new world lies outside your door, if only you take the time and effort to explore it. Now, while I think that this is a worthwhile idea, and definitely a way in which you could interpret Columbus Day, which I have to say I'm not familiar with being a British person, I do think it is kind of missing the point to say, you know, we know that people did already live in America, that even in terms of Europeans discovering it, because I do still think of it as kind of a discovery. Obviously, people were already living there, but we didn't know about it on our side of the globe. Um, even with the fact of his discovery not being so factual and being disputed, I feel like Christopher Columbus still did a lot of terrible things and without wishing to like go into detail because I didn't really trigger one for this discussion a lot of the things to do with colonialism and oppression and terrible things happening to women so it might be a good way to observe it to do spells for the protection of people who are oppressed um to do maybe some charitable donations to like women's shelters people dealing with you know, the kind of violence that came out of that colonialism. And I realise that's less positive in tone to the rest of the book, which maybe didn't want to delve into these, like, serious issues. But it did feel weird to me to, like, still kind of celebrate Columbus Day as a day about exploration and not about, you know, kind of a violent takeover of someone else's property. So that gave me a little bit of a wobble, and it just seemed maybe kind of poorly considered similarly thanksgiving it says on page 190 this one is a no-brainer take the day to do a ritual of thanks and send out appreciation for all the blessings in your life and again that is one interpretation of thanksgiving obviously historically thanksgiving wasn't really about like sharing and caring it was a lot about murder so it may be more appropriate to think of it as giving back again sort of trying to not necessarily make amends or atonement because i feel like that's taking it like too negatively but looking at it as a way to acknowledge that 
not everything that you have uh, is something that you necessarily got through good means. It's sort of like taking the opportunity to sort of confront some of your privilege and maybe work on that and educate yourself. Obviously not putting a huge magical spin on it, but you can work in gratitude into that as well. I just think that maybe more of an effort could have been made to break down this holiday. Uh, and again, like I said, this section was quite American-centric and also looked at things like Halloween and Christmas, which I feel like is cheating because we already have holidays for them. Although obviously a lot of us do celebrate like Christmas and stuff with their families. I do because Christmas is just great. After that, we don't have that many sections left. There's just rites of passage and coming of age and things like that, as well as sort of dealing with things like marriage, getting older, uh, familiars. Uh, and there's also some talk about like raising children in, in paganism and letting them find their own path, which, again, not everyone's going to be wanting to have children, but I appreciate that it's in there and it does direct you some just some other resources if you're going to need them and then lastly we have kind of the shortest section which is section six the natural witch and it's all about maintaining connection to mother earth there's a little bit of stuff about how gardening can be about therapy and can be made magical a little bit about living in a city and that's it and i feel like considering we made such a big fuss at the beginning about being connected to nature and that being kind of a core idea behind paganism that section being last just felt kind of weird to me and it felt kind of a little bit half-hearted like kind of a, a tacked on addendum uh, and not necessarily about a lot of the things that you can do as a, a witch for example like if i'm out and about doing like herb harvesting or going out for a walk because I remember that it's a sabbat and I'm going to go look at some nature. I'll pick up bits of litter and throw them away, like caring about your environment. Similarly, if I go on the beach and I'm taking like stones or like some of my hagstones I've collected, I'll pick up litter and take them away as well. You can talk about leaving offerings that are compatible with nature and how service to nature can be part of your sabbat celebrations about living a more ecological life really working some of that like thinking about how pagan culture and like crystal harvesting and things like that can be supremely unethical and maybe not commensurate with your beliefs as a pagan i feel like that section could have been really expanded and it just wasn't aside from those issues i do think this is a worthwhile book to get it's pretty compact there's a lot of stuff in there just to get you started thinking about ideas the to read after the sections are quite good uh, i've earmarked a couple of books from those for purchasing because they did look quite interesting so i think you could do worse than making this your first book about living a more sort of pagan witchy life all the time just be aware that there is a focus on it some sort of more from a religious aspect uh, and there are some places where it does conflate wicker and witchcraft quite badly so be aware of that but i do think there is still a good amount of positive advice in there and you can get a lot out of it and it's written in this really approachable way it's not too complicated there's the occasional joke in there so i found it quite good and i don't really usually have a good time reading non-fiction books um, i usually struggle quite a bit but this one went down quite easy so can recommend 
If you've got any other books you'd like me to take a look at, do get in touch via the comments section on YouTube, Twitter, or you can email, which I will check eventually, I promise. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next one. Bye!